All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, on the line again, I've got Hassan El-Tayeb from the Friends Committee on National Legislation. That's fcnl.org. That's the Quaker lobby in the interest of peace up there in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the show, Hassan. How are you doing? Good. All right. So Yemen, Yemen, Yemen. Uh, even better. War powers resolution. War powers resolution. War powers resolution. Tell me, what is the news on the war powers resolution HJ87 in the House of Representatives right now, sir? Yeah, well, thank you so much for, you know, having me on again. Always appreciate it. So, uh, Reps Pramila Jayapal, DeFazio, uh, um, Schiff, and Mace, they introduced HJ Res 87, the Yemen War Powers Resolution to terminate all U.S. military support for the Saudi-led war and blockade on Yemen. I'm very excited about this. We've got a ton of momentum right now. Over 100 bipartisan co-sponsors and counting in the House. Uh, Senator Sanders is getting ready to introduce a companion on the Senate side, and hopefully we'll see that sometime in July. And I think this all comes at just such a critical moment as the Biden administration, Biden, Biden himself, is planning on going to the Middle East to talk to uh, Saudi Arabia, other GCC uh, Arab states, and you know, uh, in the, they're getting ready, I think, to sign a new security agreement with these countries and uh, further entangling the U.S. into, uh, you know, potential more uh, Middle East escalation. Yeah, I mean, that's such an important point here. So we have a real confluence of things going on here where the Saudis seem to be seeking a way out of the war. They climbed down from their major goal of reinstalling the last dictator. They've entered into the ceasefire in these talks. At the same time, they've got the ruler of the world empire coming to bend his knee to their will. Your Majesty, Your Highness, what can I do for you in order for you to ramp up oil production for me? That's Joe Biden's line. Everybody knows he's going to say it a month before he even has a chance. So um, then the question is, what has been Salman going to say to him? Well, I want my war still. I want another 20 F-15s. Or is he going to say, you know, I could really use your help wrapping up this war. Or is Biden going to say, listen, I know I'm under, you're under a lot of pressure here and all this, but I got the entire Congress breathing down my neck that we've got to wrap up this war. Is that even going to have a part in the conversation? That's our role here is trying to make sure that he has no choice but to say, listen, the legislature back where I'm from is really upset about this now. Right? Yeah. I mean, that I think that's right. And, you know, if U.S. pressure to end the war, uh, you know, I think the Saudis, the Emiratis and their proxies could easily push to escalate fighting once the truce uh, that just got extended to August 2nd. Uh, you know, they could 
escalate the fighting once that all ends. And, you know, obviously the Houthis would respond in kind, you know, regardless of consequences for civilians. And, you know, so that could be a disaster. However, if we build up support for this Yemen war powers resolution and, and hopefully pass it, and I think we have a real uh, solid pathway in the House of Representatives, that would effectively ground the Saudi Air Force and significantly limit Saudi Arabia's ability to keep fighting. Um, you know, and I know Mohammed bin Salman is eager to avoid the humiliation of being able to operate his own air force. Um, and the prospects uh, represent a key factor in his apparent decision, I think, to encourage his Yemeni partners to renew the ceasefire. So mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of leverage here. The, the truce so far has been successful. Give credit where credit is due. The Saudis halted airstrikes and allowed, uh, you know, dozens of fuel ships in. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, about 10 flights from Sana Airport into Jordan and Cairo uh, so far. So that that's good. The Houthis have ceased transborder attacks on Saudi and the Emirates. Um, humanitarian groups that I've been speaking with, you know, like the World Food Program, say that there's been access to populations. But you know, this only continues, I think, if the U.S. maintains pressure. And if we make clear that, no, there's not going to be any military aid to resume hostilities, then we have a, a real shot here at ending this war and ending this humanitarian crisis. Yeah, well, uh, as you say, they're working on this new sort of Israeli slash Arab NATO in the name of hemming in Iran right now. And, of course, that's the excuse for this war, that somehow the Houthis represent an Iranian beachhead in Yemen. What's the truth of that? Yeah, so I think, you know, this to me seems like a potential boon for weapons dealers. Uh, that That's what it usually is about, uh, folks wanting to sell these defense systems. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, Iran is, you know, completely behaving like uh, Boy Scouts uh, out there, um, you know, but I think it's really clear to me that, you know, selling weapons is a huge part of what this is about, uh, normalizing relations with Israel. But if we truly want peace, this they'll, they'll tell you that this new, you know, NATO for Gulf states, uh, you know, and this integrated air defense system that they're talking about setting up, um, and they say that it's about peace and stability, but it doesn't get at the root causes of what's actually making the Middle East unstable, which is one, a lack of you know communication, a lack of a, a deal with Iran. So I, you know we urge that we get back into the Iran deal. Um, you know there's flaws with that that approach in, in my opinion, but I think it's the best thing we got right now. We got to end this war in Yemen, try to end U.S. support for the Saudi coalition, try to you know, get a nationwide ceasefire that's permanent, you know, and also deal with the, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And you know, that's how we actually bring about peace. But further entangling the U.S. military to be this regional hegemon doesn't encourage, um, you know, you know, Saudi and Iran to share the Middle East. You know, it just increases impunity for Saudi Arabia's horrible behavior. Well, I tell you, I mean, that's just totally true. As we saw the last time, I'm sure you and I discussed this the last time, Congress passed the War Powers Resolution, and yes, Trump did veto it. But the UAE then immediately pulled their main army. They left their militia on the ground, including AQAP, but they pulled their main ground force out of the country, and they sent an ambassador straight to 
Tehran. And I can't remember, um, I think it was just when Biden announced, and it was a lie, but he announced that he was ending support for the war in very early February 2021 when he first came into office. And then the Saudis immediately sent uh, ambassadors or diplomats, whoever it was exactly, I'm not sure, to Baghdad to meet with the Iranians. Um, And so we could see how, you know, there's this mythology that America has to hold the whole world together. It's all going to tear itself apart. But it turns out that actually Saudi and Israel like to talk a lot tougher because they know that we have their back. But if they had to handle business on their own rather than launching a war, they're much more likely to launch a diplomatic effort to resolve conflicts, um, you know, which is just the same. Obviously, it's a moral hazard, same in economics, right? If you tell a Wall Street bank they'll get a green span put, then they're going to make loans to people who can't pay them back. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just how it is. If you shield them from all accountability and all consequences for their actions, then they're going to misbehave. But you're right. Absolutely. When we saw, you know, negotiations for a cessation of hostilities over the port city of Hodeida, Yemen's largest port in 2018, U.S. actions were critical in influencing what happened. Congress had just passed a war powers resolution and they agreed to, you know, that Hodeida ceasefire the same day. And then the Congress basically forced an end to midair refueling of Saudi warplanes. So, you know, and then we saw a you know, a real reduction in cross-border attacks by Saudi and the Houthis. So we have this whole historical pattern of when Congress reasserts its Article One war authority, when Republicans and Democrats come together and do something, uh, do something productive, it actually really helps. And so this new Yemen WPR, you know, it invokes Congress's constitutional war powers under the War Powers Act in 1973 to terminate that participation. And, you know, if passed this resolution, it's designed to prohibit the U.S. military from providing things like intelligence sharing, logistical support, the maintenance, the spare parts. And all of these are critical. Uh, You know, the entire Saudi air fleet is absolutely dependent on the daily transfer of these, uh, you know, just the spare parts and maintenance alone could ground these planes. So we have a ton of leverage here. The Saudis don't want to risk that, despite, you know, the posture that they're they're giving that, you know, we're not going to, uh, you know, despite the posture, they really are dependent. And I think if we exercise all the leverage that we have, you know, we could end this war. Yeah. Look, I totally agree with that. But I admit, too, it's a slippery slope argument. People are coming to me on Twitter and saying, look, so I call my congressman, then what? Well, if enough of us call... And it's going to take tens of thousands of calls. It's going to take a real movement. It's going to take some celebrities picking this thing up and retweeting it or something. I don't know. Something big. We need to get it passed. We need to get it passed with huge margins, especially if we get it passed with veto-proof margins. That'd be nice, although maybe that's just a fantasy. Um, But we definitely need to get it passed with huge margins. And then there's a real question right there whether Biden would just do like Trump and veto the thing or whether he would say, okay, well— I did say I was ending the war, and now I have Congress kind of... I think politically, it'd be tougher for him to veto it than it was for Trump. But maybe not that much tougher. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's going to take a lot of pressure. And then he's got to be able to say to the Saudis, look, man, I kind of don't have a choice here. We want to move forward on our new NATO, and we want to move forward on 
you know, you lowering my gas price and these kinds of things, we're going to have to wrap up this war rather than, okay, okay, I'll let you keep the war going and, and I'll help you keep it going as long as you do what I want on these other issues. And so that's, you know, look, unless the Senate is going to remove the president from power, he can do whatever he wants. Right, he is the world emperor. If he wants to declare war on the Houthis and send the infantry tomorrow, they can't really stop him. You know, he reserves the right for a nuclear first strike on non-nuclear weapon states. Yep. So he can do whatever he wants. But the question is the politics of the situation. It's not the rule of law and the constitution. It's the politics of the situation. Is there this massive groundswell of pressure? that insists that something be done about this now or not. That's really what it comes down to. And then we hope that the dominoes fall down in the right direction to really push this thing to a close. You know, I hate to say that, but it yeah. is what it is. Not a limited no, republic. I, I think what you're saying, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here and getting that groundswell of support, changing the politics and the political dynamics I would argue the fact that we even have a ceasefire, the fact that Biden even took the steps he has already, granted not far enough, but I think it was an improvement to end support for these, the targeting assistance that did happen, or at least allegedly happened under the Biden administration. Um, and, you know, those policy changes were, you know, in, in as a result of all this congressional pressure and civil society pressure. So, you know, that needs to continue. I swear, every single day I check the co-sponsor uh, list and it just, yeah, every couple, every day we get a couple more and a couple more. And in less, I think less than three weeks, we have over 100 co-sponsors on this bill. And this isn't just AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, you know, much respect to them. But it's a very diverse coalition, not just super progressives that are behind this effort. Uh, we have frontline Democrats. We've got, uh, you know, Republicans like Rep Mace. We've got Freedom Caucus folks and, and other libertarian folks as well, uh, like Andy Biggs, uh, Rep Gates. Um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene just got on the bill as well. Go SAR. Um, you know, when you've got AOC and Go SAR on the same bill, you know, you're you're on to something, I think. Um, I, I, and I, I think it's just super important that we have a bipartisan uh, resolution here. And that's that's what's needed to continue to build that support and, and show that there's not going to be a military solution that involves the U.S. military in this war in Yemen. You know, there's you know, if this truce breaks down, the U.S. is not prepared to, to keep this going. And it's I think it's also going to send a message to the White House that. You know, it's got to keep its promise to end blind support for a regime that's intent on cracking down on dissidents at home, uh, you, you know, cracking down on, um, you know, people that are, act, you know, doing activism to, uh, you know, promote uh, women's rights in the country, uh, destroying Yemen, you know, creating this world's worst humanitarian crisis. And, you know, I'm clear eyed, you know, the United States can't unilaterally bring about, uh, you know, a complete end to the war. You know, like there are still issues to resolve. We have to, you know, the humanitarian crisis will still be there, but it's got to use its leverage to persuade Saudi and its proxies to stay at the negotiating table and actually bang out a deal that finally ends 
this war. And Congress is really, in my opinion, the best hope we have to do that. And as far as all the legislative vehicles out there or anything that can be done, this is probably the best lever we have right now to make sure that, uh, you know, we don't give away the farm in any deal with Saudi. Sorry, hang on just one second. Hey, guys, anybody who signs up to listen to this show by way of Patreon will be invited to join the Reddit group. And I'm going to start posting stuff over there more. That's patreon.com slash Scott Horton Show. Thanks. Hey, y'all, libertasbella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's libertasbella.com. You guys, check it out. This is so cool. The great Mike Swanson's new book is finally out. He's been working on this thing for years. And I admit, I haven't read it yet. I'm going to get to it as soon as I can. But I know you guys are going to want to beat me to it. It's called Why the Vietnam War, Nuclear Bombs and Nation Building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 61. And as he explains on the back here, all of our popular culture and our retellings and our history and our movies are all about the height of the American war there in, say, 1964 through 1974. But how do we get there? Why is this all Harry Truman's fault? Find out in Why the Vietnam War by the great Mike Swanson. Available now. Yeah, well, that's really great uh, that you mentioned, you know, more and more of these Republicans signing on. I didn't know that Green had signed on. I saw that Matt Gates had. Of course, Thomas Massey's good on it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just so important for the narrative. This isn't a bunch of hippie crap, you know? <laughs> this is, uh, which look, you know, a lot of people, eh, anti-war is just some hippie girl in a sundress or whatever, which I like hippie girls in sundresses, but I'm just saying you don't have to always listen to their opinions about international relations. What do they know? And, it, and people think that. But the thing is, we have lots of really nice hippie girls in sundresses, and we also Maybe have... Maybe be in a better place if more people did listen to those... Yeah, seriously. sundresses, but... <laughs> it's true, but then... The thing is, we have them, but then we also have right-wingers. Avowed right-wingers, nationalists, America firsters. People who, to them, conservatives are the liberal Republicans. You know, like the conservatives used to be the right compared to the liberal Republicans. Um, these people are against it, too. Donald Trump said America first. America first means, well, and yeah, he continued the war for four years straight, strictly for the money. But he said America first, and that means it's okay to not believe in this crap and to not want to continue it. Um, so, and that's the most important part, is that it's a good, solid, money-saving, blowback-preventing, conservative position to be against all this adventurism in foreign policy. And after all, I mean, when you read Obama's excuse for starting this war, it wasn't that the Houthis had done anything to us. His central command was passing them intelligence to kill al-Qaeda guys with at the time that he switched sides in this war. And he did it to placate the Saudis. His administration told the New York Times, well, we had to placate the Saudis because they were upset. You start a seven-year war of genocide and treason to make your client state feel better? And a liberal Democrat did that. That means it's the conservative Republican thing or even the uh, further right Republican thing to oppose it. Should be easy enough, you know? Yeah, well, uh, you know, and I, and I think that 
that bipartisanship. I mean, you know, obviously we're in a, a very fragile moment in our democracy where it seems like there's not a lot we agree on these days. But, you know, this is really something that we can all agree on, you know, that we should not be supporting the Saudi war in Yemen. We know it's worked in the past to kind of de-escalate the situation. Um, you know, one thing I did want to mention, though, it's it's really unclear to me and I think others and uh, others that I've read, uh, you know, that are really following this closely, that even banging out a deal with Saudi Arabia, I mean, you know, it's not probably going to affect oil prices all that much in the short and medium term. And, you know, I so I think the verdict's really still out if you know, Saudi Arabia could even, you know, significantly, you know, ease the, the prices at the pump. Here That's in the such US. an important point. I mean, look, it's not like there's a restriction in supply or I mean, there is in a few places from some regulations and so forth. But for the most part, the problem is monetary inflation. They devalued yep. the money and then they blame everybody for raising their prices, except for the people who devalued the money in the first place and forced them all to. And that goes for the local, you know, hot dog stand and for Exxon, too. Yeah. So I, I just think that's an important point. Some people are like, well, you know, maybe if it'll, you know, we can get them to lower prices. Maybe, you know, Yemen's just the sacrificial lamb in, in a deal like that. But I think we got to we got to think bigger than that. I, I think we got to be clear eyed on, you, you know, uh, like the fact that there is not, you know, 100 percent guarantee that this is going to affect uh, U.S. prices of fossil fuels all that much. To me, I think this is kind of a uh, a warning that it, you know it might be nice to get off of uh, you know fossil fuels to begin with and transition to re more renewable energy in the medium and long term, because it just shows you how vulnerable we are when we're relying on these authoritarian petro states to actually you know help us you know fuel our economy. Yeah. Um and, you know, there's the pressure of the arms industry. We saw this, especially during Trump. And I know it's the New York Times, but they talked to Pete Navarro in the article. You know, it was, you could say it was somewhat unreliable because it was the Times. It's worth to read. And I think it's pretty clear that Raytheon and Pete Navarro set up this relationship um, in order to, uh, essentially what happened was the Trump tariffs on China had angered industry because it disrupted so many supply chains and so forth. And so Pete Navarro said, well, I know how we'll keep manufacturing, the manufacturing sector happy. We'll funnel billions directly into Raytheon as though that's the manufacturing sector. But anyway, that was what they could do was give these direct transfer welfare payments to the arms industry. And then, well, they needed a place to shoot all those missiles at people. So it was, and, and when it came to him vetoing the bill, according to the New York Times, it was pressure from Raytheon on Pete Navarro, who told Trump, you can't uh, go along with this war powers resolution. You have to veto it and keep the war going. And it was directly at the behest of the lobbyists for the cruise missile manufacturers. So, I mean, you can't yeah. even make up stuff like that. I guess the New York Times could, but they weren't. You know, that's the reality. That's the shape of politics in America. The arms industry has simply captured our national government. You might not even call it a national government at all. It might just be the actual implementation arm of Lockheed and Raytheon Incorporated, you know, with access to all of our pocketbooks.
So I, I think this is just super important. One one piece of hope I'll give is that uh, you know when we do this stuff in public, I've noticed over the past you know you know several years I've been working specifically on this conflict in Yemen is that when we do stuff in public, we tend to win because no one wants to have to go on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, or wherever to explain why they supported the Saudi-led coalition's bombing of school buses in hospitals and weddings in Yemen. So they don't want to do that. And that's why I think the war powers resolution is so great and so important because it can get votes on the floor. And when you get those votes on the floor, People have to vote yes or vote no or vote present. Those are their options, you know, or, or, you know, or not show up at all, which some do. But but then they have to actually explain their vote and primary challenges happen if they vote the wrong way. So that's what I would urge people to do is continuing to force the questions, not just here, but everywhere. You know, if we've got troops in Syria, we got to ask, why are we still in Syria? Or why do we have you know military engagements all over the world fighting this war on terror when it just seems to you know make the war on terror worse? So we, we have to start asking these hard questions and, and putting votes on the floor for people to you know say yes or no to. And this Yemen situation to me is a model of how we need to you know how we need to go moving forward. Uh, you know, for, uh, you know, population and, and folks in the country that actually, you know, want to see a more humane and accountable foreign policy. Okay, I got one more rant, then I'm going to turn it over to you for uh, one more question. And this one is just for people, if you live in a Republican district, oh, you might know this. Here's my preface for this. Um, as promised, the Libertarian Party is at your service, you and the uh, Yemen peace activists. And I'm glad I stuck my neck out on that. It turns out we won unanimously in Reno every single position on the LNC and all the judicial committees and all of those things. And our first major project as the new Libertarian Party is this issue. And we've got an email campaign and a Twitter campaign going on trying to get all of our members to corral everybody to call their congressman. And if you ain't on Twitter and you ain't heard... Let this be your call to action right here. It's 833-STOP-WAR. And we're trying to see if we can generate. And what are we going to do with the Libertarian Party? Who knows what we even can do with it? Sky's the limit. Let's try it out. And so uh, we want to see if we can generate tens of thousands of calls. Of course, the broader Libertarian movement is much larger than the party. And so everybody's welcome to do this. And what you should do is, it, look, and I know this. You've told me this before. And other activists have told me for years and years on the show. For you people who are willing to go to D.C. and do the work and go to Capitol Hill and deal with these people, the calls make a difference, especially when they're coming in large volume. They really do make a difference. So what we're doing is everybody call 833-STOP-WAR. You put in your zip code. They'll connect you right to your congressman. It's not perfect, but it usually works. Uh, connect you right to your congressman. And then if you live in a Democratic district, tell them Biden wants to end the war. He said so. And so... This is how to support the president is by passing this thing to strengthen his position so we can end the war. And then you're just asking them to do the right thing and support their president, right? And then if you live in a Republican district, tell them you're a Republican. Tell them America first. Tell them uh, we're tired of policing the world and wasting all this money. And did you know we really are on the side of Al-Qaeda, not against them? And this one at this time, it's crazy. 
and and Obama started it and Brandon sucks at implementing it and it's just we should end this thing now right and and talk to them like what they want to hear about how voting for this resolution HJ87 the war powers resolution is consistent with who they are and what they believe you're not asking them to change from one thing to another you're asking them to do the America first thing or do the good peace love and liberal thing and vote for this resolution. And so, um, and, and it works. On the margin, it works, but that's the whole point, is we're trying to move the margin here, okay? And so, now, Hassan, my last question for you is, could you please talk about the different groups and the different activists who are working so hard on this in a way that, you know, so that people who are interested might join some groups and really do more than make a phone call, but might really participate in this, might figure out how to donate to some of these groups, might figure out how to, uh, you know, recommend these groups to their Aunt Cindy or whatever it is to get involved in this thing, man. Well, first off, one great group that's doing a ton of work on this is the Libertarian Party. Y'all have been doing incredible things. I've just been seeing your social media tweets. You know, you're getting hundreds and hundreds of people retweeting and sharing. I mean, you're gener you're probably like the, the main hub of like where all the social media activity is coming from. So huge kudos to you. Uh, we have over a hundred national organizations. Uh, we've got you know folks on the right like Concerned Vets for America, Defense Priorities. Uh, you, you know, Freedom Works is on board as well. So, you know, if you want to plug into their anti-war work or their Article One, re uh, uh, Article One work, trying to restore congressional war authority, I suggest you get there. Um, if you want to, you know, support humanitarian assistance, uh, Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Uh, Dr. Aisha Juman is a good friend of mine, but uh, YemenFoundation.org, you can make a contribution. They, they empower local Yemenis um, in Yemen, go figure, to actually do humanitarian work. And, and they get to parts of the country that not a lot of other people do. As far as the grassroots advocacy side, uh, you know, FCNL, that's my organization. Go to FCNL.org and you can sign up to become part of our advocacy teams. And we literally are just focusing on ending this crisis in Yemen, supporting the war powers resolution all year long. That's what we're doing every single uh, day of 2022. That's our main focus. Demand progress is great. Just foreign policy is great. And again, uh, you know, there's just such a great coalition right now working on all this. And uh, it's exciting to be a part of it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, that's great. And listen, I mean, we found this out, too, with uh, the Mises Caucus and, and kind of building the movement to take over the party. That it's a lot of friendships in there. A little bit of romance, a little bit of dope smoked and a lot of good new friends. Uh, working together. A beer's drunk. I should have mentioned that. Probably more beers than the other thing. Um, uh, just not my thing. But uh, so, yeah, the it is a lot of fun. A lot of community building and, and you know, get it out from in front of your Facebook and get out there in the world and deal with people and do something important, something that you can remember and be proud of. And look, I really think hey, we might swing and miss, but I think there's a real chance that... If we do all this work together, and we all at the same time are doing this just for a few weeks, right? Everybody's not going to turn into Hassan and Scott, the Yemen-obsessed 
activists on this, but how about just for two or three weeks? Can we get you to be a Yemen guy for two or three weeks and we'll go right back to guns or inflation, whatever it is. But like for two or three weeks, let's put this first. Let's see if we can flood them with tens of thousands of calls and get your mom and your boyfriend and your girlfriend and your coworkers and, you know, your next door neighbors and, and do the multiplier effect. See if you can get five or 10 or 20 people, make it a contest, get people to call. And then if we can get the deluge, we get the resolution passed. We put the pressure on the president and he puts the pressure on the monarchies and the war comes to an end. And it sounds like a slippery slope argument, but you know what? It's what we have to do. It's the advantage that we have to press and we can do it. I mean, and and you're leading the way, you and Aisha Juman and all these other great activists who's, uh, you know, who I'm trying to follow here uh, and keep up with on, on all of y'all's great work. So... Man, it's been seven years. We can't have this conversation again in another year. We have got to do this. I mean, it was a year ago we had this conversation, remember? Uh, we, this is it. We have to win this time. So come on, everybody. It's 833-STOP-WAR. 833-STOP-WAR. It'll connect you right to the people. If you need a couple talking points, go to 1-833-STOP-WAR.COM. You got to put the one in it. 1-833-STOP-WAR.COM. They have a couple talking points there, especially left-leaning ones. Um, but be creative. Uh, talk to your congressman. Talk to the staff. I know when I was on the phone with you guys the other day, can't remember who it was that said, they just were talking to congressional staff members and they were saying, please keep the calls coming. We need the calls. And these were staffers who were already won over, but they need a cudgel to beat the boss over the head with. Boss, the phone won't stop ringing. We've got to vote on this the right way. That kind of thing. They need that message to be able to push our message. So when they're asking explicitly, would you guys make our phones ring? Then I think the answer has to be yes. We'll do everything we can to help. Right? You got it, man. Well, thank you so much for always, you know, lifting this issue up and, and you know, giving it the attention it deserves. Cool. Well, thank you, man. I sure appreciate you coming on the show again, Hassan. Of course. All right. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSRadio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.